in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and we are excited to actually be doing a show based on a movie that is coming out. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rare occurrence. It has yes. been almost a year Wow! of this nonsense. We are closing wow. in on the one-year mark, and uh, slowly but surely, people are getting vaccinated. Yeah. And uh, I know, I actually finally know some people that have been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I got my um, call from my mom this morning. She got her first shot, second shot in March. So okay, they go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know some some older people, some family members that have gotten them. They've got to schedule their second appointment mm-hmm. to, to get the backup and all that. So it's coming. Yeah, step by step. Piece by yeah, piece. things you know, things are happening. Things <laughs> are happening. But we actually, I mean, they said they're releasing a movie. I don't even know what that means in this day and age. Right. Good point. Uh, but the Mauritanian, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I have not seen a trailer for it. Have you? Uh, yes, I saw the trailer for it. I haven't seen the movie, but a lot of people have been talking about it positively. So I'm curious. Um, of course, in my mind, when I heard the title, I was is that the Moravingian from the Nef- from the Matrix movies? Sure. But no, no, this is the Mauritanian. Something completely different. So I'm looking forward to it, seeing if it's any good. Yeah, I, I instantly when I was reading it, my brain thought Martian. Just because it's already kind of close to Martian, so it's true. It's true. But the Merovingian is a much better movie than just something called, you know, the Martianian. <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't know much about it. At least I do not know much about it, other than it's a legal thriller. Um, we surprisingly have never done at least anything titled legal thriller. Yeah, yeah. Legal thrillers have crept in to our lists uh, in the past, but not specifically legal thrillers uh being counted down so somehow this just kind of popped up matt suggested the topic thought it was perfect and uh we limited the scope to the last 20 years so we didn't uh you know go crazy because we could really go all the way back to the 50s and the 40s really or maybe even the 30s even yeah if you wanted to there's some great great classic well, court exactly and then it becomes a, a hit parade of movies we've talked about a bunch of times yes 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 and so this way Although you brought up a good point before we started, it's like the '90s would have been tough, and maybe we revisit this, yeah, as a future topic, because the '90s would be. I, I was looking at, it, I was like, oh, that's 1999. Oh, that's mm. 1997. Going through a list, right? Uh, that's the heyday of legal thrillers. Was the '90s? Yeah, apparently John Grisham just getting his rocks off left and right, <laughs> and everybody right. wanted to copy. It's like when Tom Clancy came out, and then suddenly yeah, there's knockoffs galore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fucking Dean Koontz and the serialized author almost mm-hmm. uh, after that, uh, which I've read a couple of Dean Koontz. They're all right. Yeah. 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 Ditto. Uh, I've read a Grisham. Um, I have, uh, I have not read a, uh, oh, God damn it. I just, Humphrey read October. I just said the author's name. Oh, Clancy. Tom Thank Clancy. you. Thank you. Yeah. Tom Clancy. I've not read a Tom Clancy. My grandpa gave me one once and uh, I just never cracked it. Did Here you, you go. Ever, 
That's what it was. Oh yeah, like, they're fucking massive, dude. It's hard. Well, yeah, and I was at a young age. I have no problem with that now, but I've yeah. given that book away. It's long been, you know. Mm. Hopefully, someone else uh, read it. But at the time, I just I had read up to that point. I read it, mm. and I read uh, a few other kings, and I read like uh, some things that were hefty is all hell, yeah. and it's a commitment and a half. Right, right. But and, those those are easier to read, right? I mean, like with. If you're reading Tom Clancy stuff, you literally have to have a notebook next to you to write down all the specificity with the vehicles and the code words and the um um the the stuff he the the I don't know the laws and all of that that he's exploring within his books. Especially, I mean, Hunt for Red October I think is the only one I've ever read of his stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I used to do is buy the books on cassette, and then I would when in one of my former lives when I was a courier trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, driving around the DC, sure. uh, Maryland, Virginia area. I would listen to those on deli- when I was delivering packages and whatever. And I would listen to the time and they were great. F Murray Abraham uh, did a couple of them and he was excellent. Uh, Cause those, they have to do the voices. They have to do the characters uh, as well as reading the dialogue or reading the, uh, the narrative structure of the, of the books. So uh, it was, that was a great way to consume them. I could follow that easier. They were shorter than the actual books. So you got the gist of what they were talking about. Yeah. So for me, that was the way to go uh, for sure. So I, I've only ever read one. They were so good. But Grisham, fuck, man, I used to rip through Grisham. Honestly, Grisham and Crichton in the yeah, 90s and 2000s. Yeah, those were like, those were uh, crack to me from the... From firm time to kill the client, all those ones they turned into movies. Uh, I read them religiously, man. Um, and when I used to work at a bookstore, I would just get them for free, so I would just tear through those things. Yeah, Crichton, I did that with. I've read all, mm. I mean, I've read a tremendous amount of his work. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful that I have not. Uh, but Grisham, I didn't get quite that into. Yeah, um, I liked it. But I just moved on to a different type of stuff. That's all. I think, uh, like most actors, I'm a I'm a suffering, long suffering wannabe lawyer, and so when you read those books, you can kind of indulge yourself a little bit in that instinct. Uh, a lot of actors I talk to all the time. So I could have been a lawyer. I was going to study to be a lawyer. And yeah, so when, wow. you, when you read those Grisham things, you're just like, oh, this is great drama and, and tension, you know. Ah, uh, although you know these types of movies. That we're going to be on the list today. It's kind of hard not to envision yourself giving the big closing argument. <laughs> and be like, ah, oh, would I do it like this? Do I like this individual's delivery exactly, or yeah, yeah. are they compelling enough that their argument sways me? Um, yeah, that's a good point. But the nice thing is, I don't know if you have any based on a true story, but I do, and it's like, oh, these are actual. Yeah, I'm assuming they just took word for word, so that's interesting just to know that this is how they closed out and they won the case, and this mm-hmm. is what was said. Uh, there's a few of them on here for sure yeah yeah i've got a few myself um um how are how are you dealing how are you dealing with life now what's what's the deal with you um what's different in your world (laughs) nothing's really different except that uh uh, i don't know the the uh wand division is happening have you been watching that have you been enjoying that yeah yeah okay uh it's interesting so far Okay. I don't know that it's been necessarily entertaining. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, they have to set up so much stuff. 
Right, 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 right. They have to so spend it's a lot like, of time with it. Yeah, you have to like build into this weird abstract idea. So it's not like the the levy is fully broken. Although mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. week kind of a little bit. No, you know, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Right. And then I'm assuming this week upcoming that much more. Um but for a superhero, you know, show. Yeah. It's not like there's loud explosions and crazy action sequences and whatnot. Right. Uh, right. So you have to it's a slower burn to get into it. But yeah, it's been enjoyable. It's yeah. A nice deviation from the norm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. How how are you feeling about the NBA right now, man? Uh, what's your feeling on that? Uh good to go. Good to go. What about the Super Bowl for you? Oh yeah, let's talk about the Super Bowl. What a that was uh I was I went in there certainly cheering for Tom Brady, nothing against Patrick Mahomes. I cheered for Patrick Mahomes last year uh in his bid to become a Super Bowl champion. But I felt like, you know, 43 years old, I kind of came I've I've always cheered against Tom Brady after the rookie year. Like the rookie year is the underdog. Nobody expects him to win the Super Bowl against the, you know, the greatest show on turf and the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, and he does it. And they win it on that last second field goal. It's a great thing. But then of course they became the cocky Patriots. So I was always cheering against them. Sure. But once again, Tom Brady became an underdog this year, going into a new situation. Did new he? coach, in my opinion, new coach, new situation. Yeah, they had weapons, but that doesn't mean it was going to work. So, and- true, it didn't mean it was going to work. But right. it's it's not as though he went to a downtrodden team and lifted them up. Well, they were seven and nine uh, last year, and. Even with Jameis, who you could well, argue maybe messed with the psychology of the players, yeah, maybe I mean, didn't have a winning mentality. Jameis threw as many interceptions as he threw touchdowns. Yeah, thirty and for Mike 30. Evans and Chris Godwin were still two of the best fantasy receivers because they're that wildly talented. So Brady's mm-hmm. looking at that, going, "Those are better receivers than I've ever had outside of Randy Moss." That's true. That's a fair point. Yeah, um, and he but, dragged Gronkowski's old bones out of retirement. I know. I. It was interesting watching the Super Bowl. The reasons that he went there are not mm. what won him the game. They didn't have a running game. Picking Fournette off the scrap heap, a couple of yeah. Ronald, uh, boom, Bob. they got a running game. And the defense, and it was like Evans and Godwin did diddly. Yeah. And it was old man Gronk and A.B. getting a touchdown out of nowhere. Yeah, A.B. Yeah. That but was I was shocked. going for the Chiefs just because Tom Brady's had enough. If Tampa Bay had any other quarterback, I would have been pulling for Tampa Bay. But wow. Tom Brady, you fucking, you've had enough. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not disqualifying your greatness. At this point, it's hard to say that you're not the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, but would you feel this way if Jordan got to a seventh finals and he was going up against, like, say, um, uh, if, Steph Curry finally in his second finals appearance? Would you really go against Jordan? If he got well, to a Wizards and had somehow taken the Wizards to the Yeah, but the Wizards or, weren't... They didn't. It's not that is not apples to apples. I'm just saying, if he did go to the Wizards and was able to take him to the finals, you'd probably cheer for Jordan. Well, yeah, but I, I'm a Bulls slash Jordan fan. I'm not a mm. Tom Brady slash Patriots fan. That's true. So it's a different. I know most Patriots fans though were cheering for him just because they were right. Yeah, was, he's won six championships, and then yeah. the writing was on the wall that he was more than likely there was going to be a dust up between him and Belichick eventually. Anyway, yeah. so. Yeah, it was any other quarterback I would have happily been cheering for. And it wasn't like I was vociferously saying, oh, let's go Chiefs. Just like, ah, you know, 55 Chiefs, 45 bucks. If the Bucks win, I'm perfectly fine. I just wish I wanted a better game. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, me too. I wanted a better game too. I wanted it to go back and forth all the way down to the end. 
You know, I, I had said on game time that I thought that the, the, the Bucks defense was going to be the difference here because they were getting stronger and stronger every week. And they were getting tested against Drew Brees, against and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers, whereas they were playing the, the no Browns love for defense and the – well, I do have love. We signed him for two years. And I think – you guys might think I'm crazy. I think if Alex Smith had been our quarterback, I think we'd have had a shot to really win that game. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay was still kind of, you know, in the playoffs. I mean, remember Maybe. Heineke played really, really well, well he and was we great. had opportunities. We just couldn't get the job done in the red zone. But maybe Alex Smith gets the job done in the red zone, and this is a whole other conversation we're having right now. So I don't know. Uh, but uh, they took care of business there. Heineke played well, signed that two-year contract yesterday. So he's good to go in Washington for now. Um, but yeah, what it was able to, at, at training, I mean, playing the Browns defense and the Bills defense doesn't get you ready for that Bucks defense. It just doesn't. And the Bucks knew what they were going to do the whole time. And yeah, crazy. but I mean, I chalk a lot of that up to the offensive line was a hodgepodge of castoffs from other teams, so they couldn't True. protect Mahomes at all. And he was still making incredible plays. Oh my God. That one where he was falling near the sideline <sighs> and threw it, and I think it was Kelsey that dropped it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they they had drops all day from guys that don't drop. It was just yep. a weird game for the Chiefs. Yeah, I wonder if that situation with Reed's son messed with them a little bit. I know. I you know, that stuff like in Super Bowl week, Matt, you know, everything's exactly. like level 20, man. And they flew to it's another weird thing that they mm-hmm. flew to the Tampa Bay like on that Friday right before as opposed yeah. to usually you get there early and you're practicing on the field and you're staying and right. but yeah, I texted a uh, I got a few KC f- uh, fans that are close mm-hmm. friends of mine mm-hmm. and text them. I was like, dude, it seems like the narrative is going against you guys with everything that's stacking up. I don't see. Yeah. And then they all said, ah, you know, they gave their rationale as to why they still thought they could pull it off, which they were all plausible at that time. Yeah. But it was like I, this offensive line thing really bothers me. Yeah. But Mahomes and, is so good. Maybe. And he almost did. And the thing is, um, they lost that left tackle the second left tackle because they lost that first left tackle like early on in the season yeah but the second left tackle right after the afc championship game man that sucks bueno because you can't like you yeah. said matt a hodgepodge offensive line getting ready two weeks before a super bowl doesn't have that game experience to understand how they're how patrick mahomes is running around back there and so they were getting smoked yeah. man. you're going up against a front line that is great a linebacking core that is Next to none, yeah. Especially this late in the season, you know, it was. But the ticky tack fouls on the defense on Casey's defense at the first half. It's like I don't understand. It's bumping, you know. He's bumping them, and we're roughly within the five yard. That Evans, that was, it was uncatchable. They just don't call that shit anymore. Hmm. But like one or two drives, especially the late one, were saved by defensive penalties that I don't think were justified. And you're like, so is Goodell? Basically trying to stick it to Robert Kraft. Is that what this is? <laughs> I don't know. Dude. I don't know. That was my only thought. I was like, is it is it an edict from Goodell of like fuck you guys? I don't know. Why? I don't believe it, man. I, I just think I, I think the guys were. I mean, uh, when you look at the statistics, this refereeing crew yeah. uh, had thrown the most flags all year than any other refereeing crew. So they yeah. were clearly uh, sticklers for the rules. Yeah, I uh, didn't know that until after the game. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, I, I thought the call on the, uh, Breland falling and tripping, the, I thought that was fair. Uh, I mean, I think that's a 50-50. Know, 
Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, and that's fair. It's 50-50, sure. And I don't know if, if Evans gets that extra step, if he dives and lays exactly. out. There's a catch. lot of... Yeah, you can't factor that in. But there was also an Evans across the middle yes, in the first one. half. And it was right. like, that was like three feet over his fucking head. Like, he yeah. did not have a shot at that. Well, the one in the flag. end zone. Yeah, the one in the end zone I thought was wrong. The one yeah. on Matthew, Matthew on uh, Gronkowski. I'm like, they're by the line. They, you can't, it's, you know... Exactly. It's fair. It's a fucking Super Bowl. Everything is on the line. They're gonna, there's going to be a little bit of fouling going on. Right. But I also don't buy in the narrative that it was because of the refs they lost. They were soundly whooped in no, all stages of the game. So I it mean, wasn't the refs. Late in game, Mahomes is on the run because they need to put up points. So it's kind of uh, compounding problems at that point. Right. Uh, but I think ultimately it was the lack of offensive line is what killed him. Yeah, but also that defense was getting smoked by Brady, man. I mean, that defense was not – you come out of that well, when every halftime. receiver, you get called for a pass interference penalty, you're not going to touch a receiver anymore. Mm, that's so they're going to get the extra space to do whatever in the world they want to because you're going to get ticky-tack fouls. Mm. So it changes your entire mentality. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I was shocked at how open Gronkowski was on a number of plays. The first mm. – I mean, the touchdown – the first touchdown was just smart, smart game playing, have him running. You don't expect Tom to, you know, essentially hand it to Gronkowski to run around the end with his leg issues and get into the end zone. So it was a smart call. The touchdown with him, he was like untouched yeah. running in front of the defender. I was shocked by that uh, as well. So um, and the AB touchdown came off. It just makes so much sense that AB would get that touchdown after all those on the same drive with those questionable Foul calls that just that just speaks volumes about AB that the only way he could score was with these controversial things happening because he's such a controversial figure in the NFL, man. Yeah, but Tom wanted him in New England and he did. They obviously couldn't have him, and now he had him, and they won a championship together. And yeah, uh, I think he still has a pending lawsuit. Uh, so yes, he does. Good yes, luck to does. you, AB. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know the truth of whatever that situation was, but it seems weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an okay game. Yeah, you wanted more. I don't disagree with you, bud. You wanted more. From the potentially, you know, the, the all-time GOAT by almost everyone's estimation versus the guy that actually has a chance of potentially supplanting. So basically Tiger Woods against yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Or Jack Nichols, rather. It's a good one. It's like, ah, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah. It was good. It was good. Yeah. It was a nice distraction, something different. Can't yeah. believe the NFL pulled it off. Congratulations. Did you like any of the commercials? Did you like any of the commercials? Um, sure. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know. I think the hype now is made it to the degree that none of the commercials are ever going to live up to the, what's supposed to be Super Bowl standard. It's pretty tough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what about the weekend? What'd you think of the halftime oh, show? Was, I, I turned it off halfway through, man. I, I was like, I, I get what you're going for. I get what you're doing. I don't have an interest in this. And I just, I watched like wow. some, uh, a DC film on TNT. I think I watched BBS for a little bit on TNT. I yeah. had to look up like what is with the, the dancers masks. Oh yeah. 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 And all the controversy surrounding by that. But, yeah. By by my understanding, that was a while ago, and you haven't created another hook since then. You're really sticking it to the Grammys still. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was fine. He doesn't really have the canon of hits for people above. I guess a certain I don't know what the the cutoff range is. Yeah, 
Uh, but he's known certainly, and he's got a sure. few hits, so you sure. throw that in there. But he does. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough bill. Every once again, they crush it, mm-hmm. and then other years, like ah, oh, that was good. That was fine. Um, but yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't know. It was. And they've. I did find it interesting since they took advantage of the fact that there were no stands in that section of the fans. Or pardon me, no fans in that section oh, yeah. of the fans yeah. to make that part of the stage. It was like, oh, that's something you're not going to be able to do any other year. So way to take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but I did love the story leading up to that the Tampa Bay Bucks were they told them that they were going to fire their cannons. <laughs> and they had to have a week long discussion of no, you're not, be like, why not? I love that. I love that. It's such a it, just a little dick of no oh, need. Yeah. You know you're not going to be. The NFL is going to rule against you. Yeah. But like, oh, we're at home, so we're just going to fire the cannons. Be like, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. It's favoritism, <laughs> even though it is your stadium. <laughs> so true, man. So true. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so Tom Brady got it. He got his money. He got his uh, seventh title, and he – Drunkenly celebrated on a bunch of boats. So I don't know if you saw that, but those videos uh, over the last couple of days. I just uh, saw, yeah, one quick one of them on boats, and I was like, oh, okay, that's how they're doing theirs. Why not? You're 43. Why not? Unwind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. sure. You deserve to yeah, unwind. You, yeah, man. If you want seven of them, you can throw them between boats because, you know, they've kind of lost their value because you keep winning so many of them. Oh, did he throw it between boats? Yeah, he was throwing it. The Super Bowl championship trophy, he was throwing it between boats. <laughs> It's insane, man. Well, a Gronk dented one of the Patriots ones. Oh, no surprise. No surprise. I think that they were they went to like a batting cage and he swung it like a bat, something along those lines. Holy shit! Yeah, it's got a dent like on the football. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> you don't do that. I, I've seen Cup. the clip of it. and He's laughing about it. Of course, and a bunch of other guys are laughing, but at the same time, you know, there's a, a number of people like you, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> Especially a number of people who are never going to win one. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, anyway, but that's not what we're here to talk about overall. We're here to talk about or count down the top 10 legal thrillers of the 2000s or, or of the last 20 years, rather. Yeah. 2000, 2021. Um, and we're going to get into all of that here uh, uh, for you all. Matt, uh, shall we tell them how the show works? Uh, yes. Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 lists, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some overlap. Um, but hopefully we get a few different movies in here. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, at 10, I've got runaway jury. That's my number nine. Great choice. It's, it seems very nineties. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you go and watch it now, it's early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's got a hell of a cast. Yes, it does, man. For a movie that you could cast anybody in on some level, you've yeah. got Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, John Cusack, Rachel Weiss, uh, what, Ron Silver is mm-hmm. the judge. No, it's not Ron Silver. He's the judge in a different movie. Yeah. Um, oh, it's the guy that plays Mayday in. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. The character uh, actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, the, uh, he was the commissioner in uh, Beautiful Mind. Not Beautiful, sorry, uh, Cinderella Man. Yeah, yes. That guy, yeah. Uh, and then um, Jennifer Beals out of nowhere. Yeah. Like a tiny little part on the jury. Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis. Yeah. Uh, it's just all over the place. And it's, um, I don't know if, how 
how much do we want to get into describing it? I mean, I, I feel like if people haven't watched 20 it by years now, old, yeah. yeah, I feel like we can describe what the basic case is. Sure. Yeah, and maybe we maybe we'll leave the, the twist out. Yeah, we'll leave the twist out, but the basic case we can describe, I think. Yeah, that's well, it opens on a uh, stockbroker and a day trader shows up and murders a bunch of people and then kills himself. And then the wife of the stockbroker is suing the gun manufacturer for putting out like a cartoonishly ridiculous, just it's a fully automatic or semi-automatic handgun, mm-hmm. but it's got this long, huge clip coming out of the bottom. It's like, I don't know how you can sell that saying it's you know it's for home protection it's like yeah. against what a zombie apocalypse yeah um <laughs> yeah i'm all for the second amendment but you know there are times where i just don't understand how you can you know basically grit your teeth and lie straight through yeah. and be like ah this is for a sportsman and be like what sport yeah is this gun made for exactly yeah uh but yeah so it's and then uh about so Gene Hackman's character is a somebody that helps fix a jury and that they do background checks on all the potential jurors and they try and line up those that they feel the process of winnowing down a jury to be sympathetic to your cause. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we've seen in films like um, The Rainmaker, films mm-hmm. that have to deal with uh, smoking, you know, the tobacco. But, you know, these companies, they throughout the 90s and early 2000s, they were getting away with these courtroom victories and then eventually people started figuring out what they were doing and countered them and then you started seeing these huge uh, 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 awards being given to people who were suing the larger companies for their irresponsibility and their wink-wink approach to cigarettes, to guns, to what have you, um, So uh, to, to health insurance, uh, the drug companies, all of that. So it, it it's a good window into that. And it's a bit sensationalist. It's a bit easy at times, a bit populist. But it's an interesting combo of actors you bring up, Matt. I mean, this is yeah. like right on the end of John Cusack being a, a, a star who can sell a movie. Right at the end, tail end of his ability to do so. Rachel Weisz still building her career around that time. Mm-hmm. I think Constant Gardner was... Uh, a couple years before, yeah, or a couple years it, after, I think or something. It was after, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was after. And then you get, of course, Hackman and Hoffman still being able to go toe to toe. You know, these uh, two old, old friends. They they literally lived together when they were coming up as actors, and then what they did in the seventies, of course, and seeing them go. That scene in the bathroom is fantastic. You're watching two yeah. masters at work going back and forth, but also the twist when the shock when the twist happens. It's actually well done. It's the way it's constructed to the twist. When the twist happens, you're like, oh, shit. And then you have to deal with, when you're walking out of that movie, if you're okay with the way they implemented that tactic. Uh, and right. The I manipulation like of yes. everyone. Yeah. Like the only one that comes out unscathed is, well, that might be give something away, so I won't say that. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, just one of those where you're surprised at the sheer level. Like, did they think this was an Oscar level movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you have this much firepower, as far as the number of you know actors, it's pretty, it's, you know, pretty stellar across the board. Like, uh, agreed. Agreed. And, anyways, not, and, so that's, and not a director that like, you know, brings a lot of names. Gary. I don't Gary, even know who the director was. Yeah. Gary Fleeter. Uh, one of the, it, it, he had done 
stuff for Homicide for the Shield. Um, he also directed a, the Express, that uh, football movie. Oh, okay. About Ernie, what's his name? About Ernie Davis. Yeah, about Ernie Davis. With, yeah, I just uh, remember the title. I never saw that. Yeah, Rob Brown and Dennis Quaid. So he's still working, still just did, the, but he does mostly um, TV. So uh, those were probably, and then uh, I guess there was only three films he did for feature films. Homefront was the other one with Jason Statham. Where okay. he's like fighting off the old town uh, when he's a DEA agent to try to take down the local meth dealer in town. Um, but yeah, we still work in this guy, but not a name you would think of to be able to bring such an incredible cast together. So there you go. And from Norfolk, Virginia, shout out to you, Gary. Um, all right. What's your nine? Uh, my nine is Marshall. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. Uh, I like it. It's, it's lower because it just doesn't have the emotional impact at the end. But yeah, what, what's the thriller aspect of it on this one? Is it just him? Well, we have sending through the ranks. Yeah, but it's also around a case that's um, Sterling K. Brown's characters accused of raping and trying to kill Kate Hudson. So you have that aspect as they try and delve into the backstory and figure out. And there's also the it's set in Connecticut, but the the racism towards mm. Marshall and then Josh Gad's character of something Friedman. Yeah. So they're coming out of the anti- anti-Semitism. So it's that aspect of there's this looming threat around what they're trying to do. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, influence is trying to be exerted onto, uh, and like the James Cromwell is the judge and he won't let Thurgood Marshall mm. speak. And it's the only case that well that he cites that we know of that he wasn't allowed um i just love that that's the the way that they do with lawyers you have to have another lawyer vouch for you like it's the mob or something like he's a friend of ours (laughs) the judge has to be like all right he's a friend of ours he's the main guy yeah he's a man just like they say no you can sit there and do everything else and that's it so the so you're saying it doesn't have the thriller, quote unquote, aspect like a runaway jury with all the history yeah. on the outside? Okay, but I but I, I totally get that because I think I have one on my list uh, that I that I had to convince myself was a legal thriller, and, and maybe you'll shoot it down. We'll see. But uh, I felt it was for my own reasons, uh, and so we'll we'll address it when okay. it comes. But Marshall's a great choice. Certainly, nice performance by Chadwick Boseman uh, for the legend. I mean, Chadwick has played every single. F- Famous black person before he passed. Yeah. He was able to replace so many of them. Um, I, I think it would rate higher, actually, if you flipped him and Sterling K. Brown and put Brown in the Marshall. Interesting. Interesting. I think he would have given a better performance. It's nothing against Chadwick. I just don't. Yeah. didn't carry the weight to me of Thurgood Marshall. You could argue that Sterling K. has more of the energy. If you've ever watched Thurgood Marshall in interviews or conversations, that Sterling K. Brown has more of the energy of Sterling of a uh, Thurgood than Chadwick does. You could make that case. Do I think you? But you know, it's not as heavy as the other ones because they do mm-hmm. have a couple moments here and there with some a little bit of comedy that yeah. uh, Josh Gad helps to provide. Uh, so perhaps you know the chemistry is just better with Chadwick. Although I'm sure he was the first to sign on on the project. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, that's my when I was watching it, I was like, God, I'd love to see a version of this with Sterling mm-hmm. and that and Chadwick on the other side. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's a it's a good movie. 
It's not yeah. great. It wants to be. Yeah. Right, but, it, right. you know, it's a good movie. It's enjoyable. Definitely. Um, all right. So what's your eight? Uh, my eight is on the basis of sex. Oh, another, uh, you know, another Supreme Court justice. Uh, yeah. Film. yeah. Go ahead, man. Um, oh, I was also trying to go for like the actual legal yeah. aspect yeah, yeah. of it because there was another one that I was flirting with putting on. Just like, I don't know. The trial kind of takes place at the very end and the legality mm. of it is it takes a while until we really even start thinking about the, that aspect of the law. And it's okay. like, I'm not going to include that one. So I was trying to get more lawyering going on. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was uh, tough because it doesn't really have a lot of the thriller outside of her just striving against discrimination and yeah. wanting a voice in a profession that she knows she's good at. And ultimately that bears out to be true. She became Supreme court justice. Yeah. Um, and it's her early on, a struggle to to get into law school when there were no women in law school and to get out and to find work and ultimately find her footing fighting for the rights of other women yeah uh and succeeding wildly at it uh just one of those in hindsight it's weird that the fight had to exist yeah right to make it happen yeah to make yeah. it happen yeah. and Catherine and I were talking about it the other day and she's like oh, look you know how little has changed on some it's, level. Yeah, it's a fair point. Absolutely. Yeah, we're still having, you know, all yeah. these years later and probably will for who knows. Hopefully it's just like another year or two, but I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we get it sorted by uh, the double deuce coming up and we're good to go. <laughs> we're uh, almost there, everybody. We're almost there. <laughs> we're, almost there. we're almost there. It's the finish line. You can see it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought she did a really great job. Uh, um, yeah, her and the cannibal army hammer as her husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that story's getting weirder and weirder. Uh, dude, apparently there's this massive story coming on it that they're waiting to drop. I was on uh, yeah. Jeff Snyder's show. As we're recording this today. It's uh, The episode already dropped, but I was on Jeff Snyder's show over there at Collider and he, his podcast, and he talked about it. And he said there's this massive story about this whole situation that's apparently – uh, about to drop that's going to really expose army which is why his agency is like they're all like leaving now because yeah. they know what story exactly is rats off a of so, sinking ship yeah yeah uh, but i'm, I'm like cool with this Toronto's. oh yeah oh my god jesus christ you know i mean dude my, it's it, whatever your feeling is like you just can't tweet that kind of stuff this is exactly about, this it's is about just, difference of opinion this is so much more it's just different it's stupid yeah. in that You've already come under fire, yeah, for doing stuff like this. It's you're entitled to believe whatever you want to believe, absolutely. But you know that people have their knives out for you when it comes to this. And I'm not saying those people are right or wrong. Fair. All I'm saying is, if you were looking at this, you know, maybe I just need to shut down my Twitter, and I still work, I yeah. still have a job, I will, you know, and I just don't have a Twitter. Not that big a deal. Or turn my Instagram to private. Yeah. And only my friends can see it type of thing. Uh, yeah. It well, just, so I just so dumb. Yeah. That's the thing. You, you know, remember she came out of haywire and she had worked with Steven Soderbergh, but it's not like people were booking her on multiple projects. that were of note. You know, she did a fast and furious movie. One of the ensemble, yeah. but not the main ensemble. She was one of the ensemble. And then, and then, 
basically she's straight to DVD thrillers that nobody fucking watches. And, and then Favreau plucks her out of that uh, place and says, Hey, I'm going to write this part. I'm going to name it after you, Cara Dune, Carano. I'm going to name it after you. And then we're going to put you in this thing. And she, in the, in all the interviews, she just gave all this love to uh, Filoni and Favreau who like taught her how to be a better actress. She just schooled okay. her and she was open to it all. And she was better in the Mandalorian than anyone was anticipating. And it created this like legendary character overnight in one season and people loved her. And then these all of a sudden over the last few months, her posts became aggressively more uh, uh, antagonistic and red state and all this stuff. And MAGA like, cause she's a huge Trump supporter. And I saw some people saying she wasn't huge. Literally has said on multiple occasions, she's a Trump supporter and you're seeing all this kind of stuff. But then, and then they, they, she had a show taken away from her that they were going to announce at Disney Investor Day because of her tweets in September. So, like you said, Matt, if you want a career in this business and you just lost a show that was going to be yours, why wouldn't you shut the fuck up? Like, it does, it's not about censoring your voice. Of course, you're free to speak whatever you want to speak. Yeah, you're allowed but to say there are repercussions. You're not free of consequence. You're free and, of speech, but not free of consequence. And it, there's nothing wrong with holding those beliefs. You yes. have, you have the right you and freedom to do that. Of course. But what makes it so stupid is you came out with a, you know who the real problem in the Holocaust analogy is in a town. Yeah, true. That Very may true. have connections <laughs> to the Holocaust. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, it was just such a, what are you fucking stupid? Well, that's what I think. I think she had come, uh, I think she crossed some line in her mind that she was unhappy doing the show, unhappy being around people, maybe liberals or whatever, oh, unhappy yeah, with whatever. And and then, so I think this is why her- it's Self-destructive. Um, yes. I think her post got more antagonistic because I think she wanted off this show. And she the only way to get off the show and retain some kind of PR spin on this is for her to become a martyr. So pushing it, pushing it, pushing. Yeah, exactly. So Disney fires her. Yeah. And you've seen already all the texts, all the tweets, rather. Donald Trump Jr. tweeted, oh, she's a victim. And they tried to do whataboutism because Pedro Pascal had tweeted a picture a year ago or so where comparing the children in cages uh, like Trump did for four years, which he did. Yes, Obama built the cages. Trump filled them uh, and uh, compared to how they were holding uh, the uh, Jewish people in the Holocaust. And I think that's a comparable thing to make because clearly both were being held in a certain way because of their origin, because of the color of their skin or their religion. And okay. so those are those things. So to me, that's a correlative thing because that both of those things are actually happening. Her comparing to a person being a Republican to be, or a, or a MAGA person to being chased down like the Jews were, uh, Jewish people were sorry by the Nazis yeah. is just is a is a point of view. It's a it's not something that's actually happening. It's a fantastical point of view meant to instigate, meant to poke at the liberals, meant to create anger. Um, and her passive aggressive nature of way of doing this is what I think infuriates a lot of people because then she'll be like, "Hey, posting a picture of herself smiling and not saying anything and saying how you know oh, unity." Yeah. yeah, you you follow your dreams, hmm. and it's it's like no, no, you're 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 actually not that cool of a person. And you, well, she saw the payday that 
Kevin Sorbo's getting these days. Like, yeah. Get me in on that. It's that gravy there. train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and and she and the thing is, she deleted it, Matt. If she really fucking believed this, she would stand by it. But she well, deleted. That's, yeah. yeah, that's where I, I'm confused. I guess on the idea that this was self destructive. I don't think it, it is. Was, yeah. Well, that's what you were saying before. She wanted out of. Yeah, but I don't think that's self destructive. I think she wanted out, but I don't think she cared that it was going. But deleting to be, is self preservation. The what? The deleting. Oh yeah, deleting it. Yes. yes, deleting self. So yeah, I don't. I, I I don't know. It's just yeah. You're you're free to believe that that analogy is true. I I don't. I'm not taking away that right. You're allowed to say it, but you also you know right. just because you have free speech doesn't mean people can't say things back to you. Right. Or, or that your words don't have consequences. Yeah. Exactly. All, all these all these people banging on the walls like, oh, this is a restriction of freedom of speech. If you said one quarter of the shit she has said on her tweets at your job to your customers, to your fellow workmates, you're asked to be out on the rail. So yeah, don't depending be like, on where you work. Sure. Yeah. Don't be. Yeah. Right. Exactly. True. Fair Certain point. places that wouldn't give a shit, but you know, yeah, teach true. their own. But like, you know, but like, that's the thing. So this is a global brand. You it can't is. have you intolerance have, in a global brand. You just can't. You can't. Yeah. That's just part of the game. And you know it too. It's, yeah, it's exactly. not like she's blindsided by this. This is everybody knows that uh, these libtards run yeah. Hollywood <laughs> this way. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's true. We all know it. you have to be all inclusive if you want to be that big a star. You just right. do. And being all inclusive doesn't mean you accept people who are exclusive. That's the thing. People get this narrative like, well, you're supposed to accept everybody, even people who talk shit about other people. No, what? you actually aren't. That isn't inclusive. That isn't unity. Yeah, I, you, I, I don't know. It just it's part of the game, and we all know it. Yeah. Even those not in it know that. Yeah, uh, especially Disney. I mean, Disney family friendly, but they're one of the biggest or one of the first, like uh, really pro LGBTQ, mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. corporations. Like this is Disney, who is yeah. the idealized version of everything the family values are, and exactly. they've been so open to. Uh, those individuals, and it's like, that's a, this is Disney we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. So many people came after me for on on Instagram because I when I because I, I I don't post on Instagram that much anymore, but I was posting something last night on it, and oh, you leftist, you libtard, and I was like, you guys have no idea what you're fucking talking about. I call out liberals all the time uh, here in Hollywood, the liberal critics especially. I defended Rambo Last Blood against all those claims of it being a MAGA movie. I, Sylvester Stallone is a well-known Republican is one of my heroes, you know? So it's just like this kind of not and Bruce Willis is an actor. I respect madly hardcore Republican Schwarzenegger Republican. Dude. So it's this kind of thing. This like, they have to create a narrative that's false in order to validate their anger about a situation show, rather than accepting that this person fucked up. Show people your uh, Trump Funko pop <laughs> right below the camera right there. Don't it's I right like over you I'm showed it to me right off. Uh, I saw it, and you got uh, you got the uh, Don Junior Migos. Oh yeah, Don or whatever that thing is called. Yeah, and you got the the Eric Trump Stretch Armstrong knockoff. Uh, you just yank it by its big teeth. That's what you <laughs> anyway, oh man, it's it's look. I I loved Gina, man. I was such a fan of hers. MMA. She's gorgeous. And when she jumped to Star Wars, I'm so fucking. Man. I went to see Haywire opening day. I saw, I saw Haywire in the theater as well. Yeah, but, uh, I thought she was okay on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair, fair. 
Fair. I'm fine with the people are saying Lucy Lawless and be like, oh, that's interesting. I think that would be good. I'm down with that. Um, but anyway, so that's my number eight. There we go. So we got to that. All right. Uh, my number 10 then is the Lincoln lawyer. Wow. That's a pun. Really? Oh, 10? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 10. Wow. Yeah. I want to see the rest of this fucking list. <laughs> I already know what nine is. You're saying runaway jury is better than the Lincoln lawyer. It is for me. Yeah. You're out of your mind. Um, North country is my number eight. Is that on your list? Oh, is that the Charlize Theron? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I haven't seen that, so I can't can't even recall. Like okay. I saw it when it came out because of the Oscar buzz. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This was. I mean, this is obviously a, like you said earlier, a, a true thing that happened. A true mm-hmm. thing that happened here in our history. It's directed by Nikki Caro, uh, Charlize Theron. As you talk about Francis McDormand up in this thing, Sean Bean, Woody Harrelson, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, Richard Jenkins, Sissy Spacek. So it's all Sissy Spacek. You know, it's really cool. A '70s actress in this film about uh, this woman, uh, Charlize Theron, representing what she represents. You know, pushing back against sexism in the industry that she's in, and how mm-hmm. she endures that and fights it, and it leads to the court case and what goes on with her ex-boyfriend, what goes on with her family what was on with her dad you know and and how she wants to stop the sexual harassment in this industry by these men pushing back you know against a male dominated workplace to ask them to be respectful to her and uh what that leads to you know because you know men hate to take hate any semblance of power what little power they're able to achieve in life they hate any of it being taken away so they're naturally going to re- react in an angry way for the most part but it takes her standing up and trying to explain herself. She wasn't trying to cause or, you know, uh, make ruffles here. She wasn't trying. It's like Norma Ray, right? Norma Ray is kind of uh, walked sure. through what's happening. And then she eventually decides, yes, I will make this decision. Charlize Theron was just like, I just want to be treated like an equal, like everybody else. And I'm getting, you know, these horrific things I had to endure. And so many women I'm sure can relate to that. And then it, it takes her finally speaking about it. Uh, and tried to explain herself near, near the uh, latter half of the film, and her dad finally gets it when he sees the way these men, his fellow workmates, who he calls friends, are reacting to his daughter speaking her truth. So okay. there's a lot of power in this movie that I was surprised by. It's not, you know, the, one of the greatest uh, legal thrillers or whatever, but I think it's a damn good one, and I think Charlize is excellent. Okay. In the movie, yeah, and Francis McDormand as well, who's great. Oh my God. Um. So you haven't seen that one in a bit, huh? No, I know I saw it when it came out, but okay. I vaguely recollect it. Okay. Wow. Um, I thought for one, that's I thought for sure that's one that would stick in your mind. Um, for no, I mean it's it happens with age and watching so many fucking movies every year. Yeah, it's like some get pushed out. I don't have a memory for all of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, great stuff. She, it's it's in the business of iron mining. Uh, that's what she's in. So, yeah. Um, all right, cool. Uh, what's your seven, my man? Uh, my seven is, uh, I mean, Thriller might be a stretch, mm. but uh, Find Me Guilty. <laughs> I knew yeah. it was going to be on your list. I, I fucking, that movie's list. so good. <laughs> so good. It's, yeah. It's and in the I, discussion for Vin's best acting. Wow. That's a strong statement. All right. It really is. What are you talking about? Saving Private Ryan, but his part is so small. He carries the movie in this. I'm just saying it's not a lot of choices, Matt. That's what I'm saying. Hey, oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> yeah. 
you can discard all the Fast and the Furious as far as I'm concerned. Sure, fair. fair. So there goes, and then uh, Riddick, I think they're all right. I think the first one's damn good. He's damn good in the first one. Okay, sure. What, what is that one? Pitch Black? Pitch Black, yeah. Um, I kind of lump them all in in my head, kind of the same. Uh, wait, this is Sidney, Sidney Lumet. Yeah, it, it is Sidney Lumet. Uh, yeah, you got early Peter Dinklage before Game of Thrones. Sure, sure. And here's the Ron Silver. He's the judge in this mm. one. Um, it's about the racketeering uh, trial to bring all the mobsters, all the five families that Giuliani was the head of and the Southern District of New- Manhattan or New York. I can't remember. But, uh, and Vin Diesel plays a character. He's the only mobster that decides to defend himself. And his rationale is like, I've had lawyers and I'm already in jail. Like they haven't done me any good. Yeah. So I'm just going to go it alone type of thing. And guys got a tremendous amount of charm. I mean, they take a bunch of this from transcripts, but I'm sure they interviewed like those around him and whatnot. And he's cracking jokes. It seems like a genuinely pleasant individual, even though his business was murdering and selling drugs and anything and everything else. I'm sure he was uh, in collections at some point because he's, mm. And uh, racketeer or like a numbers running or whatever the case is. Yeah. But you want to see the best performance of Vin Diesel's career. This is in the discussion as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And he fully carries it. It's you see this and you're like, why have you never done anything else remotely like this? Where is this fucking charm in any other movie? Well, if I remember correctly, the construction of this movie he had to work really hard to make it happen. And he had to, I think he probably used some of his own money to make it happen as well. And got Sidney Lamette on board to be the director of the movie. Um, Cause I think he found the project and they wanted someone else to play the role. Cause obviously they're like, no one's going to believe you in this. No one thinks you can do this. So at the time, I think it's right after the first fast and furious movie and triple X. So he's got a little, He's got a little cachet, Matt. Yeah, he's got so a little I juice. Think, yeah, a little juice. So I think he uses it to try to put this out because maybe he was thinking, hey, I can do more than just blah, blah, blah. Like Tom Hardy, right? You could easily say Tom Hardy's just a you know big dude who does stuff, but he's a goddamn great actor. So I think yeah. Vin wanted the opportunities to maybe show what he could do in this situation. Sure. And uh, maybe Batista. Yeah, like Batista, a, right. You got, you know, he's the heavy and all these things, but then you're like Stuber, like, ah, oh, you've seen me do. Yeah. Comedy and Guardians. I can do comedy over here, just as a, but I'm still maintaining my size. They want The Rock's career. Yeah. I think he's going to win an Oscar before. Batista? Yeah. Before any professional. I think any professional wrestler. Yeah. I think he's going to win an Oscar. I think more than anybody else. He's just been excellent. I mean, in, Inspector, yeah, may not may not be the greatest film, but he is hmm. chilling. He is scary in the scenes that he has. Like you said, he's great in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's yeah, awesome in that tiny really little good. part. The, yeah, yeah, he just carries such presence, which yeah, is dude. tough to do. It's more than the physical size. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, and he studies it, Matt. Sorry, good. Well, I was gonna say otherwise, it doesn't doesn't really matter. No, uh, but he studies acting, and there's the difference, right? And I think he he respects the craft, and that matters. That matters. Yeah, opinion. but Vin's music is pretty sweet, so there's <laughs> trade offs in life. But I genuinely, if you've never seen Find Me Guilty, it is the charm is unbelievable. I did not know Vin had this gear, and I wish he would do it more often. It's like Tom Cruise doing a villain in Collateral. Oh, man. Dude. It's like, why don't you do this is awesome? 
Now, I'm not saying that these are equivalent to one another. I'm just saying watching an actor do something that you've never seen them do and pulling it off really well. Yeah. I, why, why, why do we not see this more often? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Uh, waiting for the eventual Tom Hanks, like Robert Redford in uh, Civil War. It's like when Tom Hanks just goes oh, out of yeah. nowhere. Oh shit. You're the villain. <laughs> Cause right. in perdition, he's still a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he plays just a full on villain at some point. One day, one yeah. day. All right. What's your six? Uh, my six is dark waters. Uh, that's my, it's slight punt, slight punt. Okay. So, um, so my seven is loving. Um, I don't know if you saw that one that was based loving. on, it's based on the Virginia case, uh, uh, with, um, Oh, Who's Joel in? Edgerton, Joel Edgerton. And I think Ruth Nega who play the first, uh, interracial couple in Virginia and, uh, uh set in the fifties. And I think don't even remember this. When oh yeah. Come out. Yeah. It came out like a couple of years ago, 2018 or 19 here. Let me look it up real quick. I'm, I'm terrible on movie release dates. Um, oh, 2017. Sorry, 2017. Oh, no, wait. That's a different one. 2016, maybe? Yes, 2016. Sorry. Yeah, the story of Richard and Mildred Loving, a couple whose arrest for interracial marriage in 1960s Virginia, begins a legal battle that would end with the Supreme Court's historic 1967 decision um and so this one they they're the couple and they have like they're constantly threatened uh by their situation they're uh, incarcerated they're jail and so there's a lot of tension throughout a lot of fear that they're gonna get you know killed or beat up uh in you know my home state of virginia you know and and this is the 1950s not that far away um please i actually know a story of that happening here in Southern California in wow. the past year and a half. Oh, there you go. See? So that shit is still yes. around. This idea of interracial marriage being an issue for so many people. I have two wow. black friends who married white women and both of their dads ended up divorcing their moms because they were uh, just so upset about their daughter marrying a black man. And the mom, because both these people had children, the mom is the instituted the divorce uh, because she uh, wanted to be closer to the kids and didn't want to deal with her husband being racist towards the family. So it's wow. just that kind it's insane. And I was there. I witnessed it twice. I witnessed a father give a wedding speech and not mention the husband at all, at all. And I was just like shocked. And his daughter was super pissed at him, you know, because that was oh, his of way of like, of of uh, placating his side of the family that believes in that crap. And so anyway, this this is I didn't know about this case and I grew up in Virginia, didn't know about this case until I watched this movie mm-hmm. and uh, it's a pretty good damn good movie. It's not great, but it's certainly good. Yeah, and, I can't uh, believe I've, I I think he's pretty excellent in everything he does. I'm surprised yeah. that I didn't even hear about this. Like you describing it doesn't ring any bells. Maybe I can recall the movie poster, but I do not remember this coming out at all. Yeah, it, it to be fair, it didn't like blow you know blow up at the box office but i thought it was a damn good movie and i got a chance to see it uh early uh as well and nick kroll who of course from the league and all these other yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah big mouth he plays one of the jewish lawyers who uh you know hmm. argues the case for them in this whole thing so uh, a rare foray into drama for nick kroll so. yeah that's a super rare mm-hmm. uh well, well, maybe check it out yeah, please do. I'll check out Find Me Guilt. I know you've pushed that film many times on the show. I should. Oh, I thought you've it. seen it. No, it's, no, I haven't seen it. I'm telling you, Vin's got charm, baby. 
It'll knock your socks off. You're like, who is this fucking guy with the hair? <laughs> it looks uh, better than some of the pieces we've seen Nick Cage wear. Uh, yes, I don't disagree with you, man. I've seen those in person. They are an interesting uh, situation, those hair plugs. Yeah. Um. All right. So then my number six. Yeah, I, I can't recommend enough. Joel Edgerton, Ruth Nega. You know, a lot of people love Ruth Nega for other things that she's doing. Joel Edgerton, as you said, fantastic work himself. It's very quiet, but... You know, it can get tense, tense sure. in the whole situation. Then the case happens. Uh, so then my number six is the uh, the trial of the Chicago seven that came out on Netflix. Yeah, I couldn't. I thought about it. I just couldn't do it. I'm with you. See, now I put it here because so many people are giving it buzz. And I did enjoy watching the movie. It was fine. Right. And here's the moment where we make this division. I want to make this clear on the show for anybody who's listening. Like, this is a white liberal wet dream. And when you, so I can say that. So you can come at me if you want with this, uh, with this, you live hard or whatever bullshit. But this is, I can p- pinpoint when this shit is happening. It's why I hate that, con- that uh, film with Jeff Bridges and uh, Joan Allen, the contender, or whatever. When you oh. lean too far to the left, I don't want to watch your movie. I like the middle ground and to hear both sides. You can still, the left can still win, but I like to see both sides represented equally. Trial Chicago 7. I think Aaron Sorkin copped out on showing what happened to Bobby Seale. That occurred to him over multiple days. And the fact that they wouldn't get into that, but rather wanted to save more screen time for all the white uh, uh, people involved in this really fucking bothered me. But okay. Frank, Frank Langella is fantastic. Mark Rylance is really good. I think Sasha Baron Cohen quits himself really well. Yeah. So overall. Guy from Succession. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the Big Short. Uh, he was good. Right. Right. Overall, yeah. a watchable film, but tell me why you didn't put it on the list. Because it's it was fine. Mm. I watched it, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. And I think it got good reception because people were starved for any kind of movie to come out. Yeah. And uh, it was a politically charged atmosphere at the time. Um, still is. Yeah. But yeah. not yeah. as, you know, strong as it is or as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I just thought it was okay. And ultimately, I was like, hey, how often? I almost put uh, The Informant. Oh, the Informant came close yeah. before Trial of Chicago 7. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's, on, you know, it's on my, I'm writing down my side list of all potential possibilities. And I right. highlighted it because I still think it's better than uh, Rules of Engagement, let's say, unless that makes your oh, list. God. No, it is not on my list. That was yeah, it's not a, a good tough movie. Watch, no, I I try to talk myself into it. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't it's, speak about this thing in a positive way. Yeah, it's yeah. I saw it and I didn't like it at the time, and my memory of it is not good. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, on the side list, and I, I wrote down Trial of Chicago Seven, and I bolded it as one of the potentials, and eventually got to like thirteen or fourteen. I was like, there's no way it's better than these other three. And the Informant is not a good movie, but I enjoy it more than I did. Trial of Chicago 7. I think a lot of people enjoy the informant for sure, Matt. Uh, but so it's a great point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's a wet liberal dream fan. I mean, they they never did the fist thing at the end. Uh, they did read the names, but that was, I think, in the middle of the case, not at the end. So there's a lot that Aaron Sorkin uh, takes liberties with. And I kind of, I kind of, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody but i kind of rebel against the old white liberals man they, they they love to kiss their asses too much about the shit they accomplished and it drives me nuts Let i think other all people, old people do, do yeah maybe you're right i don't think it's anything you know, <laughs> irregardless of things were better back in their day what we did was amazing and revolutionary uh, and it's like i know it was 
but yeah. time passes and, and we're <laughs> going to be singing that same song. And you know, once we're your age too. And listen, I know they're probably Schmodown fans, young Schmodown fans listening going, Roku, you kissed your own ass about the shit you've got. That's fair. That's a fair criticism. In 10 years, Uh, when they're kids that only grew up on LeBron, they're going to think it's asinine. Yeah. That us old men are like, no, it's not, you know, I still have, although at that point we'll see where LeBron's at. It might be unassailable. Right. Uh, But I've just, time passes, man. But, you know. Yeah. If they piss you off, they piss you off. What are you going to do? That's the game. Too many people are forgetting Jordan, man. Too many people. Anyway. So that's your six? That's my six. What's, what's your five? Uh, my five, I'm curious, is what made your list, Aaron Brockovich. It is a punt. Oh. Uh, for me, yeah. yeah. All right. I rewatched it for this list, Matt Nost. It's good. I rewatched it for this list. It's a good movie. I know you don't like, you're not a big fan of Julia Roberts. I'm not, but I give, I give She's credit good. where credit is due. Recorded this too. Um, my five then is the putt from earlier, Dark Waters. Dark Waters. Okay. Oh, Matt, please take this one since it was, it's it's. I so, stopped please. using Teflon because of this movie. <laughs> I did. We, we got rid of all of our frying pans and pots and did as much research as we could wow. for anything that Teflon is in that we own, and we got rid of it. Wow. I can't think of another movie that's ever gotten that much change out of me. That's incredible. Yeah, you're, you you yeah. know you're, you're very set in what you well we all are. But you're very set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well, it's just I don't. Well, it's wasteful. Why get mm. rid of it? And then you watch yeah. something like this, and you're like, holy shit! Mm. Like what? What if the fact that we've had Teflon since World War II is the reason there's a spike in autism? Like we don't know what yeah. the long term effects of because now every human being more than likely has this long chain. Yeah. Uh, uh, compound in you, yeah, and you're going to carry it with you. And how does that affect your genetics? Your your you know your genome, your yeah. DNA. Does it have long? Is that part of the increased cancer risk, or is that just a function of people who are living older? I don't know. That's or is it just question. part of this fucking cornucopia of advancements we made too quickly without studying the long term effects? Right. And now we're paying the repercussion for. I don't. I don't fucking know. But it wasn't good when they're talking about the families and all the deformities of the children coming out and the yeah. Ruffalo's character of the individual, the the lawyer that just fought up this mm-hmm. mountain for so long. Just this Sisyphean task. Never thought he would finally get to the mountaintop and does. And yeah. it was such a release. Uh, yeah, it's a really good movie. It could be great. And it just yeah. never really fully gets to great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't rate any higher. I don't know how often I'm going to go back and rewatch it, but the amount of shit that that dude went through inside the court and outside of the court just to get a light shown on the darkness mm. uh, it was utterly impressive. And, uh, you know, it was, it's a good movie. Mark Ruffalo <laughs> did a great job. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I didn't know what to expect. I'm not always the biggest Todd Haynes fan, and so I d- wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, I enjoyed um, uh, Safe, the first one we did with Julianne Moore, but then like Velvet mm-hmm. Goldmine wasn't was a big big clunker for me. Far from Heaven, I know a lot of people enjoyed, but I just was like, oh, I don't really connect with this one. But I liked his um, uh, what he did with I'm Not There, the uh, Bob Dylan one with all those different people. Like, okay. uh, I, I enjoyed that. Kate Blanchett and Richard Gere and the young black actor who played it. Like, all I, I enjoyed the 
uniqueness of that approach telling a biopic. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, so I didn't know what to expect here with Dark Waters, but I love Ruffalo. So I was like, at least I'm in good hands with Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched it and I was like, holy shit, this is so much better than I anticipated. And I agree with you. It isn't quite great, but it's damn good. And yeah, it is. It was kind of forgotten. You know, when it came to around award season, some people wanted it to be nominated for Best Picture, wanted Ruffalo to be nominated. Yeah, it's, it's not quite. Yeah. And yeah. he's not, it's nothing against him that that role isn't quite yeah. Oscar worthy. You know, Foxcatcher, yeah. that's an Oscar worthy. Uh, fair. Uh, Zodiac, yeah. that's closer to. Yeah. Yeah. You can do the work. This, I, mean, I don't know. But yeah, it's good. It's, well, it's, it's, disheartening yeah yeah i didn't quite go as far as you did but certainly gives you stuff to think about it gives you pause it definitely does and it's it only is it six because i know i'll watch these others or have watched Mm. these others much more or they had more of an emotional impact yeah fair fair uh and the cast is great ruffalo as we mentioned and hathaway tim robbins bill camp by the way if you've seen queen's gambit you know he's the janitor teaches uh young Mm. and taylor jordan play chess Victor Garber, Mayor Whittingham, and Bill Pullman. Oh, by the way, man, we finished season three of The Sinner. Uh, oh, yeah. I've got another oh. friend that watched it and said it's the new season was excellent. Yeah, dude. I'm just saying. Hey, Matt we'll, Bomber is fucking great on that show. We'll watch it. Yeah. The, we're almost f- going to finish out with two shows in the very near future. So, Oh, okay. Uh, we'll get we'll to see. it. Okay. We'll get to it. Sounds good. Lupin's good. Start- we'll through the first two. Lupin's good. Is it? Okay. Well, yeah. I was hesitant. Like fresh it's fun. stuff. It's fun. Okay. All right. I'll watch it. I would recommend if you're going to watch The Sinner, you, Matt, or anyone who's listening, season two, then go back to season one and then season three. That's what I would, that's how I would do it. But that's just me. Um, all right. Where are we at? My five or your four? Your four, right? Uh, my four, because we just did the Dark Waters. Yes. Yes. Your four. Uh, my four is Just Mercy. Okay. The newest. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. I thought it wow. was schmaltzy as hell. But all right. See, I thought Jamie Fox Jamie Foxx to me in that was really good. And this is another yeah. case of at first when I was watching that, I was like, is this another Marshall situation where I'd like these two guys to flip flop? But I think that they were uh perfectly done. But just the it's you want to talk about another disheartening the evidence mm. this was nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. It'd be one thing if this was 1957, but it's 1987, and the dude gets convicted yeah. on uh, the the testimony of of a convicted felon. Yeah. Not saying that the convicted felon lied, although ultimately he comes he recants his tale. Yeah, but they have 20 or 25 corroborating witnesses saying this guy was at home with all of us because yeah. they were having a fish fry. 20 or 25 people. And then you read through the statement of the guy and it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense Hmm. that he supposedly witnessed all this stuff. And in 1989, I think was when the court case went through or 1988, he got railroaded straight through on this. The, The corroborating witness was 15 minutes away and didn't see it. We just said, yeah, I saw his truck there, and that was it. That's all they needed. They had no physical evidence. They had nothing else, and they managed to – this was within our lifetimes. I was, you know, eight years old when this happened. It was just bananas to me. Yeah. 
if this was 1932, it's like, sure, okay, yeah, I've, you know, go watch Mudbound. It's like, mm. brutal, post-World War II, but it's just like, yes, that still exists type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But dear God, it's like, I can't, I can't, this is, this to me is unfathomable where there were still injustices and still are injustices, but at least they build up some sort of bullshit case around it to where they have evidence that may have been faked. Yeah. Let's say other nefarious things to pad the case. And this one was just like, nah, this, this dude over here that we all agree is completely untrustworthy. He says he saw him, he says he took him there <laughs> and that's all they needed. And yeah. to, to put a man on death row. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and then the story of like before he was convicted, they put him on death row, mm-hmm. just to just just to get a taste of what it was going to be like. And you're like, how is this legal? Yeah, yeah. Say, so, I don't. That's I, just all of that. The fact that it happened within our lifetimes, and it'd be if if it was a preponderance of bullshit evidence or something, um, kind of like a hurricane. Like yeah. he was at that bar, but then they, they doctored these other things. So they, at least there's some sort of like what was going on aspect of it. Right. But when you have 25 people all agreeing and there were flyers put up around town. So the town knew about the fact yeah. that this fish fry was going on. This wasn't, it's just, I don't know. That's why I think it had such resonance of Jesus Christ. The injustice is just a little bit too thick on this one. Mm-hmm. I totally respect that, Matt. Absolutely. I, I just, I've seen this before in so many other movies, the idea of the black from, from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird on, you know, the idea of the black uh, um, uh, uh, gentleman wrongly convicted in, in a situation where they've been railroaded and what have you. Mm-hmm. And I thought there were just one too many beats of like self-congratulation of making a great film about this story. And so okay. for me, it just got there. That's all. That's all. It's just a little too totally faulty for me, but I thought you were right. I think you're right. Jamie Foxx was damn good in this thing. And sometimes I don't really buy him in dramas because he does the, um, you know, I'm trying to poop really hard face you know, when he's trying to emote. And I don't believe him in certain, and when he does certain things, but I thought he, he brought a really um, layered performance to what he did here. Yeah. And, but Michael B, I thought, and I, I really don't like Michael B. I thought Michael B was a little too much like. I think that's where, yeah, it could elevate into truly great. He, whoa, just lost John there. He completely froze. Um, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is playing a young kid that is straight out of Harvard and he sets up the this equal justice league type of thing. Um, so it's fine that he's younger. I don't know. It was. At certain moments, he was pitch perfect, and in others, I it was tougher to to wrap my head around. But I think that, given the overall story for me and Jamie Foxx's performance, along with uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. looking heavy as fuck, uh, he had a small part. But there's another dude that played a Vietnam vet that put a bomb um, on some girl's porch or something and killed her but he didn't intend to do it. Like he does not recall why, because he had such severe PTSD it was uh, his unit in Vietnam all got ambushed and everybody else in his unit died. And then the emotional, the mental and emotional scars from that he carried with him, uh, And so much so that they make brief uh, statement and I guess statement of it in the movie itself saying that he had doctors and whatnot that quoted or noticed, diagnosed that he had PTSD, but 
felt that he needed real treatment, that he was emotionally kind of disturbed. Um, so I think overall it's, it's a good movie. It's another one that wants to be great, but I think the emotional impact is a little bit more accessible than something like a dark waters. Uh, perhaps in time, I would rate this still maybe a little bit lower than Brockovich, maybe bump it down to like a five, but I think the, it's, it's more rewatchable to me than dark waters. Dark waters is, is frustrating. I'm glad that I saw it. Um, I think it's an important movie in that it's educational, um, to see like a, when corporations aren't held accountable for their actions, the amount of destruction they can do, even when they had the best of intentions, not to say that they did, but Teflon was created for a variety of reasons and applications. And those applications are all well and good, but when you see what it did to the factory workers that day to day dealt with Teflon and their children as a byproduct, it's just like how cruel the world can be that, those individuals are collateral damage for the convenience uh, of life and others. And then what Teflon is going to do to us as a population wide. I, I don't know. There might've been articles in the interim from when this movie was written and produced to uh, now, but I still, I don't know that we have a handle on the long-term ramifications of what Teflon is going to do to us as a people in a society. Uh, it's pretty brutal. But, um, well, why don't we get a little more lighthearted, damn it. So this is coming out Tuesday, Thursday for our patrons at the $10 and above level. We are going to be doing, you're going to have access to the show as we're recording it, you know, live and it goes out for everybody else on Tuesday. So please join us. The link will be up over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. And it's open to you. Um, we're not exactly sure. Obviously, have not done it yet. You know what we're going to be structured, but if you're listening to this and you're going to be there, uh, bring a coin with you because we might call on somebody to be the official coin flipper. And uh, we're talking about potentially bringing in people to uh, yeah hear their opinion at the end of the show or uh, get their two cents on something that transpired or a discussion we had. Um, if you're in the chat, we're thinking about to you know basically talking about, uh, oh, so-and-so said this right now, or did you forget this point to chime in, kind of like a Super Chats or Stream Lab, but uh, we're not doing a Super Chats or Stream Lab. It's just going to be for those individuals that are uh, joining us. Um, hopefully it's fun. Hopefully you guys enjoy it, because uh, then it's a, uh, a fun thing that we can do a couple times a month, and it's more interactive, because we enjoyed... Golden Ticket was a, a lot of work, um, but it, was, it the dividends of what it paid off for were fantastic. It was for both of us. It was so excellent to meet everybody. I mean, when we did, we've done the live shows in the past, get to put some faces, two names that also uh, meet some, some people that were first time comers or new fans to the show and whatnot. So going through golden ticket, and these have been some of our biggest uh, supporters, the ones that we see, you know, been part of shout outs now for months, uh, if not a year, uh, so to put faces, two names, and to meet all the people, it was really fun. So to take aspects of that and then meld it into the overall show that, you know, uh, you guys enjoyed from the jump. That's why you're here participating in Golden Ticket and Topic Thunder and all the rest of it. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It should be fun. So please join us 
The link will be up over at uh, Patreon, so you can access it uh, over there. And for everybody else, you'll get the show on Tuesday. Nothing will change. You'll get the video on Tuesday. Um, all that will be the same. Uh, this is just give a little early access a few days early uh, to those individuals that want it and a little perk for our patrons as we're trying to, uh, you know, figure out what we're going to do in the interim before we uh, run the golden ticket back. Um, you know, it's a, a lot of question writing and organizing and scheduling, uh, you know, ourselves on top of Blair who helped it and the, the three people that joined us in the shows. And uh, there were certain times where we were recording four shows in a day. So to try and juggle the schedules of uh, 12 people on top of the three that are the mainstays within the show, it could be a little bit of a nightmare at times. Um, you know, thankfully we didn't need everybody to actually physically be there to do it because it wouldn't have been feasible or possible, but still logistics were uh, tough at times. There were, that's why the matches ended up with two people on occasion. Um, but what are you going to do? We hope you guys enjoyed that. Just uh, rambling all the way. Um, not sure what is going on with John's, but he texted me. He said, he'll be back soon, but that was like two minutes ago. So hopefully it is soon. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out settle the score before, please do. It's a show that I do with Andy Merriweather where it's basically name that tune meets movie trivia. So I give a context clue and Andy plays, uh, a song or a score or, uh, part of a soundtrack of a movie and then whoever's uh, playing that day gets to or it's, it has to guess whatever the movie is and then there's some, like some bonus questions in round one and uh, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun that's the whole design of it uh, you know the serious competition can be for others I, I would rather fill my day with something that's just uh, lighthearted fun and catch up with people that I don't get to see right now just we're all locked in our homes and uh, we've done some fan shows on that that have been uh, really fun and uh, had a few uh, of the fans on. And uh, yeah, they would kick my ass, I think, in the game. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. There he is. <laughs> the router shut down. What happened? Yeah, router shut down for some random reason here in San Diego. I apologize. I apologize. But I'm sure, Matt, you entertained everybody quite well. I uh, rambled about the live show upcoming on Thursday as Woo. they're listening to this. And uh uh, all kinds of other stuff. So anyway, there's my number four, Jersey Mercy. What do you got? <laughs> all right. My number four is, uh, <coughs> sorry, is Molly's game. Okay. Yeah. It was Love. on my side list. Okay. Love that movie. I thought Jessica Chastain was fantastic in this. Idris Elba is great in this. Costner as her dad does a really good job. And of course, mm -hmm. this whole thing is about her, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to fight this case with Idris Elba helping her and her retelling how she got into these situations. And there's some real like life threatening situations, some real scary situations as she's playing with this much money and the people involved in, of course you get, uh, was it Michael Sarah playing the, the Tobey Maguire part? And he's kind of yeah. like unsettling as hell playing that character. And as you go throughout the movie, you see how she's battling throughout all this, trying to navigate her way out of it. It's damn good. And, written by uh sorkin i think it's his 
directorial yeah. debut. I certainly did oh, a better really? job with. Yeah, I think so. Certainly did a better job in this film than he did, in my opinion, in Trial of Chicago Seven. Uh, but I really enjoyed this one, and it's one I tell people about all the time when they look like, if I like Jessica Chastain, what's the one film I should see? And yeah, mm-hmm. Zero Dark Thirty is certainly on there, but so is Molly's Game. I think this is one that really shows how great okay. she is as an actress. So yeah, yeah, I, I saw it on an airplane. I thought it was like the perfect airplane movie. <laughs> it wasn't uh, it was it was enjoyable but if i yep. got distracted i didn't miss anything when i came back to it so yep uh okay yeah, good choice thank you all right what's your what are we at three uh my three is the punt from earlier which is lincoln lawyer how wow. dare you three Man? three yeah. wow dude it's because it's inter- it's entertaining it carries the taut suspense you have you got murders <laughs> On top of murders, you've got a hell of a cast in McConaughey, William H. Macy, Michael Pena. Certainly a great cast. Not going to do uh, Brian Cranston in a small role that's excellent. Yes. Marissa Tomei. Yes. Uh, Ryan Phillippe in the part that he was born to play. <laughs> <laughs> Flat out. It's the best casting you'll ever see. It's, uh, and I just yeah. think it's it was part of the trend of McConaughey really has something. Yes. And it was before, you know, he did do True Detective and Interstellar, before he got the run yeah. of Mud and and uh, Gold as much as I really wanted to like Gold a lot. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I just, I think I'm, I think it's more rewatchable than all the others. Wow. All right. Wow. So that's why it, it, it popped up. I think McConaughey is just, he's pure McConaughey in this. We rarely have such divergent attitudes about a movie, but I I, I will say about a good movie, yes. Yeah, <laughs> sure, fair. Uh-huh. Uh, but for me, I have found it. I found it to be uh, a, a little hackneyed, a little bit like trying to be something that it actually isn't or can't be. And I like the noirish aspect of it. All, I was like, eh, I don't know if McConaughey's. I don't know if it's this. going noirish. I mean, a little bit, a little. I bit. don't think so. But but I agree with you about Ryan Philippe, though. I think this is maybe one of his greatest roles ever. He plays it with oh, it's, such it's pitch such perfect. right. He's pitch perfect, such comfort, such ease in playing this uh, smarmy, uh, t- you know, Beverly Hills dude, and he's got a you know, he's constantly playing at both sides of the fence the whole time. Uh, and there's more going on here than you think. And you're right. There's murders upon murders. Certainly it gets a little darker than than you anticipate. He's a hard-drinking lawyer who's kind of not – you know, it's a, it's got a little bit of the verdict vibe to it for sure where nobody expects much from him because of what he's been doing before the case. But I just – I think it kind of gets a little cheesy at times, a little – a little not schmaltzy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's cheesy. I think it's cheesy. I think it's fun. TV movie. It's got a lot of fun – and it's fine. Enjoy, enjoy your trials of Chicago seven, which I is a, you know, what? it's your five. It's only two different. So that's six, saying is roughly six. equivalent. Five is dark waters. Oh, okay. I apologize. Six. Yeah, six. Uh, all right. Clearly not one of your favorites or my, one of my favorites. All right. Let's move yeah. on. To, uh, uh, so, so my number three is the punt for me from earlier. Aaron Brockovich. Okay. Yeah, rewatching it this time around again. I enjoy surely Julia is the one to watch. Of course, it's all about Julia. No, no denying that. Albert Finney's great though, too. That's what I was just gonna say. Albert Finney to me is the reason to rewatch this movie over and over and over again. He's so 
stellar in a role that could have easily been one note and forgotten about, kind of like Tim McGraw and Blindside could have completely just done his thing, got in and out. But he actually mm-hmm. delivers some fantastic back and forth with Julia, you know? Yeah, I mean, she and, needs it too. Yeah, she does. Right, exactly. And I think Julia stepped up her game to go toe-to-toe with and Albert then- Finney. <sighs> is it Aaron Eckhart is the biker? Yes. It was actually damn good in that role. He is. Yeah. For one of the, the prettiest men you'll ever see in your life. And he yeah. kind of pulls off being a biker with long hair. Right. It's like her neighbor that helps watch the kid. Yep. Uh, yeah. She's a woman that everybody looks over because they don't think that she has much substance. And she ultimately takes down a, it brings justice to a bunch of people whose water had been destroyed and yeah. unknowingly had been uh, killing themselves. Yep. It's a hell of a story. She even has a cameo. The real Aaron Brockovich does as a waitress in the movie. Mm. Uh, so, but yes, you're right. And you got great. I mean, look at this cast, but uh, Marge Helgenberger, which many people know from CSI. Yeah. She was uh, one of the families affected. Yes. Conchata Farrell who's a fantastic character actress. has been a million things. Uh, but yeah, Julia, I mean, and, and, and Soderbergh, like he did with Jennifer Lopez, Soderbergh got an incredible performance from Julia Roberts uh, in, in this film. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez and out of sight. Uh, Brockovich here with Julia Roberts. I would even throw Sasha Gray in there for the girlfriend experience. I know she's a porn star, whatever. She's actually damn good in girlfriend experience. I think Soderbergh is fucking great for the most part with these actresses. Riley Keough in uh, Logan Lucky. She's great in Logan Lucky. I didn't yeah, know who she, she was. And then I saw that movie. I was like, oh, my God. I got to find out who this person is. And then, of course, you find out she's Lisa Marie's daughter. You're like, holy shit. Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. And so yeah. this is – so I, I really enjoyed this one. I was surprised. I, was, I went in, Matt, like this. I haven't seen it in a while. Do I think it's okay? And I, I was like, this is actually very good movie. Uh, so yeah. no complaints on my end, which is why I moved it up uh, to where it is now at three. So um, all right, what's your two? Uh, my deuce is Michael Clayton. That is my deuce. Clayton. We have the same number one then. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So, yeah, he's a a guy that gets things done for a law firm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, we need, you know, well, he's in the beginning, he's playing like poker or something, and he has yeah. to leave and basically go tend to one of their clients who's gotten himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. But that's his job. Just like I handle all the peripheral stuff for you guys to clear the way for these huge cases that we have. Then he uncovers the fact, well, Tom Wilkinson loses his mind. And then through that finds out that his law firm has been a part of an injustice in essence. And he goes about trying to right that wrong, so to speak. Yep. And everyone's Uh, like, who are you to do this? You know what, you know what, how are you qualified to do this? Or you're you're part of this whole situation. Why don't you just shut up and just go. Yeah. You're complicit. They try and buy him off. Yeah. 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 Because he, he goes in, he needs some money because his brother, he tried to open a restaurant with his brother and it went under, and I don't know how much money it is, but he needs some money. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Sidney Pollock. Sidney Pollock, yeah. Yeah, plays the boss. And he's kind of like, well, you know, scratch my back, I scratch yours, type of, <laughs> and tries to get him. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it was part of that run where didn't matter what George Clooney was putting out. He'll get nominated for an Oscar that year. Yeah. The movie might get nominated as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just string like three years, four years, this up in the air. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I was, it's it. And it's one of those films that can get forgotten during around this time of Clooney 
becoming what he became. I think Tilda yeah. Swinton got nominated for this. She's incredible. Oh, did she really? Yeah, she's good. Um, uh, but Amazingly, like, she plays a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Where's that coming from? That well, so yeah. She's the ruthless lawyer that she tries to get uh, uh, Clooney killed. Yeah, yeah, she does. Like, yeah, makes the calculus and eventually be like, well, it's going to cost the firm and us and me personally a bunch of money. He needs yeah. to go. And you're like, Jesus, you're fucking cold hearted. This one got a lot. I mean, it was nominated for best picture, best director, best screenplay for Tony Gilroy. Clooney got nominated for this. Tilda and Tom Wilkinson and the score from James Newton Howard yeah. got nominated. So Tilda won for like this actually. Yeah, had yeah. good night and good luck was in in this range right. of Syriana. And it's just like every year, Clooney's putting out something that's yeah going to get eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this one is uh, damn good. And if you haven't seen this one, maybe you've forgotten this one that's on Clooney's Yeah, he's through the cracks. Yeah, you should definitely take a look at, at watching this one and see how she Clooney's talent as an actor as he navigates this situation. Because you're right, Matt, we said earlier, the fact that he's complicit in this gives him – Yet another interesting level to play with this character as he navigates what's happening. All of a sudden, this guy finding a conscience, uh, mm-hmm. what that means to everybody else um, who was okay with how things were going. And he's kind of upsetting the apple cart now. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we, well, my number one. Will we diverge here? Uh, we could. Uh, okay. The social network. Yes. I wasn't sure. I know it's not qualified. Well, for the legal aspect, 100%. They're in depositions the whole time. And that's uh, because they were never going to go to open court with that stuff. But the thriller aspect of it is just like, does it fit? But once I was like, you know what? I'm going to include it. Then how is it not number one? Right. I'm in the same, same set, exact same thought process, Matt. I looked at it. I was like, Where's the thriller? But actually, there is some thriller stuff here with the Vinkovoss twins possibly coming after him. Certainly, they could physically dismember this guy. Sure. Uh, there is some thriller stuff with Andrew Garfield. And, and Garf- maybe Army Hammer would love nothing more. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why he took the part. Hey, is there a point at which we could, you know. Do I get Army. to eat a heart? That's all I want to know. I Do I get to feast on a heart? That's all I want. <laughs> Uh, oh but- shit, Jesse! Did you cut yourself? Come here, buddy. I'll help you with that. <laughs> hey. Slow down, there, guy. <laughs> yeah, my my saliva has a natural anticoagulant. It's a weird genetic trait that I have. I don't know. My oh, people really? are descended from bats, <laughs> bats and mosquitoes. So, really, that's specific uh, lineage. Anyway, so let me just suck you, on that wound. Can you imagine if there's like all these multiple stories? Of how, or how Army Hammer would light up like a fly, a house or a, a, a what do you call it, a lightning bug, whenever anyone cut themselves on set and there was blood. Oh. Yeah. Uh, should have been a paramedic, you know? Yeah. He'd be set. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, and also later on with uh, when uh, Eisenberg's, with Zuckerberg, Eisenberg Zuckerberg is, is making his moves with Justin Timberlake's. Whatever his fucking name of the guy who ran Napster, um, Sean Parker. Oh, Sean Parker. Yes, good, good pull, bud. And how Andrew Garfield reacts to it. So there's tension throughout. The thriller aspect of it all is: is he going to get away with it? Is he going to achieve what he wants well, to achieve? Yeah. And uh, what is going to be the cost? 
Do you know what I'm saying? And this is this is one of the greatest films ever made, man. I'll put it in that category. Uh, and just it's one you can't watch enough and you can't revisit enough. And it I don't know if Eisenberg will ever, ever do a better job with anything on screen. He's just so perfect in this character. Yeah, I don't I've never seen him come close. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, he plays basically a lot of the same character to me outside of this. Yeah. So is maybe this, who is this? Is this Soderbergh? No, wait. Let's see. So Sorkin wrote it. Let's see. Yes. Trent Reznor did the music, yes. and it was directed by is that Fincher? Fincher, right? Fincher yeah. did this one. That's right. Ooh, I got to get back into training, man. I'm forgetting everything right now. Uh, yeah. But don't worry, there'll the be book. a seniors league eventually. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, I mean, you're still ten years away, but it'll be you and Bibbs. <laughs> And I don't know who else is Riley. Riley is Riley still in it? Oh yeah, oh, Riley yeah. will definitely be in. Merle, Merle. any of the OGs. Merle. <laughs> Interestingly, he will have grown hair back at that point. <laughs> That's how long it'll be. Uh, you said that I didn't. <laughs> he's bald. It's not he like is. it's a fucking secret. He is. <laughs> Unless it's alopecia and those eyebrows are fake, Oof. and then suddenly it's yeah. that's an interesting choice. Sure. Sure. Um, that's what I, I, when I read a biography of Mike Nichols, had no idea he had alopecia for his entire life. Did I tell you this already? And he like, mm-hmm. when he was younger, he was so sensitive about it because he, he was from a family with some money. He had wigs made and he had wigs made in different lengths. So, so it that looked like it was, he was getting his haircut mm-hmm. whenever, like every couple of weeks, he'd wear the shorter one and then, you know, move out to fucking incredible man so he was doing that all the way until his death like putting on the eyebrows putting on the hair fascinating dude um yeah i, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine not having any hair mm. period but i think the eyebrows would be the weirdest yes the eyebrows would be the weirdest yeah i could get over the baldness and the black of beard or whatever else mm-hmm. but the eyebrows just looks it's very rare yeah mm. You see somebody without eyebrows and they pull it off. True. 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 Uh, all right. Ready to make this bad boy? Yeah. Let me go get the uh, the bongos out of the closet. So I'll be right back while you compile this or, or start to compile. Well, I think one, two, and three are done. So Social Network, Michael Clayton, and then probably Aaron Brockovich. Um, possibly dark All right. waters. It's good to go. Good to go. Okay, so this is what I got. I got one through five. Let me know oh. what you think. Social Already. network. Okay. Michael Clayton. Yes. Aaron Brockovich. Okay. Dark waters. All right, moves up. All right. Uh, Lincoln lawyer. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because you had it what three? Three. Yeah, to my ten. And I think that takes care all right. of all of our commonality so uh, runaway jury we have much lower yeah so we can wait on that one sure all right mm-hmm. so where are we at uh we're at number six what's your highest left number four molly's game i have just mercy i will flip a coin all right for memory's sake you won last week's and i believe you won the week before so i don't yep. want to hear this the hey, fact I, that I you, won one. the fact that you can remember 
all the times I've won. Well, you know it's how I rarely just remember the last. I believe it's last. I know last week's for sure. Yeah, last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. All right, Molly's game. Yes, again. This is incredible. What a run I'm on. No, it's it's called statistics. Mm, is it though? It really is. Well, we had eight, nine, and ten left. You want to do runaway at eight since it's nine, ten? Oh yeah, sure. All right. I have my number seven. I have my number six. The trial okay, of the Chicago seven. Know, okay, you haven't seen Find Me Guilty. Trust me. It's, it is not below. Are you putting your number seven on there? Yeah, Trial of the Chicago 7 at 9. Find Me Guilty at 10. We're done. Oh, okay. So we don't even get to flip. That's, I won't put it for the record. We didn't, okay, well, what's your seven? I had my seven. But I will acquiesce to your to your fine because you are very adamant about how much you love that movie. So that's the kindness I'm, that I'm I have. You, it's better than Trial of Chicago 7, just so you know. <laughs> okay. It is. I don't know. You think it's a Lincoln movie Lawyer, that I will gladly watch again. You think Lincoln Lawyer is great, so I, I can't. Lincoln Lawyer is great. Oh, my God. It's fully enjoyable. <sighs> and it's got the it's the most thriller, I think, on some level of all of these. Mm. That's why it also gets bumped up a little bit more. Mm. You have Fair. murders and you've got, you know, all kinds of other crimes going on i think you've stated the murders thing we're very clear that there's murders in this movie um all right let's do this thing uh let's see if i remember the title oh yeah yeah the top 10 legal thrillers since the year 2000 yeah at number 10 find me guilty at number nine trial of chicago seven at number eight runaway jury at number seven, Just Mercy. At number six, Molly's Game. At number five, The Lincoln Lawyer. At number four, Dark Waters. At number three, Aaron Brockovich. Oops. At number two, Michael Clayton. And our number one legal thriller since the year 2000 is... The Social Network. Baby, you're a rich man. Um, All right. There we go, Matt. We should get out of here. The show's gone on long enough. Uh, Any final Uh, words? Uh, Yeah, please just uh, join us on Thursday for the live show. Head over to Patreon, and the link will be up over there for those $10 and above. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody over there. You can follow me uh, anywhere at Matt Nost, and uh, check out Settle the Score or Dropping Dimes if you want a little basketball content. And that is it for me this week. Yeah, and remember, this is only live for a $10 well, $10 above, right? Or is it $5? $10, $10. And above patrons. So if you're $10 and above patron, you are the only people that get to see us live. This is a way to motivate some of you who are not $10 and above patrons to join. These are the perks. You get two live shows a, a, a month from us. That's what we're planning on. To get, and you'll be able to interact with us, comment about the decisions on some of the movies. We'll bring some of those comments in, maybe even bring some of you in live at the end of mm-hmm. the show if it works out that way. Yeah, possibly. 
these are the perks that we're offering here as we kind of branch out into our Patreon and Mike and, and make a, the show a little more interactive for those of you who want to watch us live. And uh, for those of you who've been, and for the reasons we've been unable to go to your city and do a show live, there's a way of kind of being able to do that with yeah. you all. So please create an at home version of it. Exactly. So please join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the top 10. As you see it above my head, if you watch on YouTube uh, and be a part of it. Um, and uh, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and also uh, subscribe. If you want to come over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says as well. Matt, anything else? Uh, uh, yeah, just finally for the Boss Hog people. Um, yes. If you haven't messaged us back over at uh, Patreon, please do. Uh, I think half the people so far have. We just want to make call to arms. We do it at the beginning of the month, um, and we'll be picking that topic very soon. So if you haven't responded yet and you want to get your topic in, head over to Patreon. We won't be deciding on a topic for a little while yet. And uh, that is it. For the two of us this week on the Top 10 Show, stay safe out there, and we'll see you guys on the live show on Thursday. Until then, adios. Ooh.